so the vision of the church is uh, real life, real love, real purpose, really that you can find people or take people from uh, a life of just simply existing, just going through the motions to uh, have real life, real love, and real purpose. And we know that's only found in Jesus Christ. But that's not automatic. Just because someone accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're made a new creature on the inside. The second that you receive Christ, Paul said, if any man, 2 Corinthians 5.17, be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Sometimes I think we just read uh, the first part of that verse, and we don't pay attention to the second half, which says, behold, everything has become new. What does that mean? Look and see and pay attention that everything has become new. Why? Well, Paul said we have to put off the old man and put on the new man. So it's not an automatic thing. As soon as you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you in reality and in existence and in the legal court of heaven have been made new on the inside. But if you don't know what you have, you actually can't take advantage of it. In other words, I was uh, born again for probably about 16 years before I understood that when Jesus was on the cross... Not only did he set me free from the power of sin, from the power of bad habits, iniquity, from the power of the devil, and from uh, spiritual death itself, but that he set me um, free from the power of sickness. I didn't know that. So when I would pray, I would pray like, uh, Lord, make me well. But my faith had no solid ground to stand on except for God can do anything. Right? God can do anything. So uh, if you have time today, would you look on your lowly servant and uh, heal me because this doesn't feel good to my body. But I didn't have solid ground. And all faith, Bible faith, is built on an incorruptible and unchanging foundation, and it's called God's Word. It's all built on what God himself has said. And actually, Romans 10, 17 even tells us, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I love reading it more in the Greek. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. What is rhema? Spoken word. What does that mean? It's really when God speaks to your heart and it's so real, you know God just spoke to you. It is not, um, as I like to be technical, the sound wave bouncing through the air, these waves and hitting your eardrum and vibrating your eardrum in and out, a natural way of hearing. Although you have to hear naturally in order to hear spiritually, you know, it comes through your head, your mind. But he's talking about a rhema from God when you hear from your heart. Even Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10, how are you born again? With the heart, man believes. With the mouth, confession is made unto. Well, that's like, I like to think of that as a litmus test for the entirety of your Christian life and experience. The way that you received Christ when you were made a new creature is the same way that you receive from him as you go on in life. In other words, if you need finances, you really have to believe and speak. If you need healing, you really have to believe and speak. I love the woman with the issue of blood in Romans chapter, or excuse me, um, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. 
For she said, literally the Greek says, she kept on saying, if I can touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Why did she believe that? She must have heard people say, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you'd have it more abundantly. And the spirit of the Lord is upon me because we have his sermon in Luke chapter 4, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, recovering of sight to the blind, to deliverance to the captives, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And you know, when it says the gospel to the poor, I looked up the word poor, and it says like crouched down and bent over. Well, you can be like that if you're a beggar, but you can be like that in life because you're not actually alive while you're living. You're actually dead while you're living. What does that mean? Man, you're just like worried about everything, stressed out about all this stuff. Maybe you got sickness in your body. Maybe you're always concerned about the money and all this type of stuff. And you, you know, are going through the motions, but you're not really living. Now, I can speak to that from experience, personal, intimate experience, because uh, naturally speaking, uh, I think ahead. And so if I didn't pay attention and develop myself, I always live in the future and I never live in the present. So I don't, that means what? If I live that way, I don't actually enjoy the present because I'm always thinking of the future. So what does that mean? Well, that means I'm getting ready to go on a vacation. I'm not, but if I was getting ready to go on a vacation, then um, I'll enjoy the vacation before I'm on the vacation. And as soon as I get on the vacation, I'm thinking about coming back home. Yet I'm with my whole family and they want me to enjoy the vacation while I'm there. And I want me to enjoy the vacation while I'm there. I'm talking about me after the flesh. And so, but you know, you can actually live your life that way. Well, whenever this happens, I'll get happy. Whenever I have enough money, then I'll be happy. Whenever, you know, I see changes in my body, I'll be happy. Whenever my kids do this, I'll be happy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have zoe, and that you might have it more abundantly or in abundance. Uh, I call it fullness of life. Life as God has life. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And then in John chapter 17, Jesus was praying to his father, Jehovah God. And he said, and this is life, or this is Zoe, that you may know him, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So Jesus is telling us, we have access to know, become intimate with the life of God and the nature of God by knowing him, by going into his presence, by becoming intimate with him. Of course, first of all, you have to be born again to be in the family because it is the blood of Jesus that speaks better things than that of Abel that actually gives us access to God himself. It is the blood of Jesus that actually raised us from a fallen condition to a condition of right standing with God so that we have the right to enter into the presence of God. And that blood is not obtained through being a good person or through doing the right things, but that blood is obtained through accepting Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what he has done. And the moment that you accept him and you confess that, the blood of Jesus is speaking in the holy of holies in heaven, the true holy of holies, on your behalf. They're not guilty. 
They didn't do it. My blood covered it. They are righteous. They are just as Jesus Christ. And so the same access that Jesus Christ has in the presence of Jehovah God, you and I have when we accept him and what he's done. But don't you ever try to go in there without the blood. What does that mean? Well, if you try to go in and say, uh, like the uh, Pharisee did, and, and the publican, so the Pharisee's like, oh, Lord, I thank you that I give a tenth of everything that I have. You know, I've taken a tenth of the threads out of this uh, suit coat and a, a tenth of all of my food and a tenth of this. And I thank you that, you know, you hear me when I pray, essentially. And the other man said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, if you're born again, you're not a sinner, you're a saint. But you still come by the mercy of God. You don't come by the works that you've done and all of your accomplishments and all that you're uh, financially giving. You come just like everyone else that has access to God by the blood of Jesus. That is the only way to get access to God himself and into the presence of God. So you don't come and you don't get access into the presence of God because you are a quote-unquote prayer, because you know how to pray. No, I mean, uh, Paul said... I have determined among men to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That means everything is, a, is, a, is of Christ and everything was done by him. The Bible says uh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. But the Bible doesn't say that we are the righteousness of God and just put a period there and stop. It says in Christ we're the righteousness of God. So sometimes we try to be the righteousness of God apart from Christ, right? You, you have to be in Christ. And some people say, well, you know, or your flesh might say like, well, where do I get any credit? All the credit belongs to Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is faith in the Son of God? Well, we had this whole long series on faith. Remember one of my favorite parts of that was that faith is trust and believing and fear of God and obedience and hope. But faith, by its very definition, an element of faith, you have to take the things of the flesh, the things of the natural world, and your self-will and you completely, as an act of your will, release that so that you can then grab hold of Jesus Christ. So it's faith in the Son of God. It's trusting in the Son of God. It's not trusting, it's trusting in the Son of God. It's not believing, it's believing in the Son of God. It's not hoping, it's hoping in the Son of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so our faith is actually, in order to act in faith and to have faith to have substance, you have to release everything that is of the natural world and the natural man, your accomplishments, your abilities, your thoughts, your great revelation, and grab hold of the revelation, Jesus Christ, of the truth, Jesus Christ, of the reality, Jesus Christ. He is the reality. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus told us a lot about him in John chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. He said, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, I like... Um, I don't remember the name of the translation. I think it's like called Revelation Translation or something like that. But it says, he is the spirit of reality. 
In other words, and then Jesus said in, uh, I think, chapter 15, I'll take the things of, he'll take the things of mine and declare it unto you or show it unto you. He shall not speak of himself, but whatever he will hear, that will he speak. In other words, somebody said, well, I don't really, you know, I like Jesus, but the Holy Ghost business. You cannot get any closer to Jesus Christ than what you are to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, he is the one that recreates you on the inside. He is the one that comes to dwell and to live inside of you. Jesus lives inside of you by the presence of his Spirit. He said, if I don't go away, the comforter won't come or the helper won't come. And we talked about the comforter or the helper last week. That's really um, God who emboldens you and enlivens you and allows you to go through a storm and not just deal with it, but to overcome it. To be uh, walking on the water in the midst of the storm. Not turning away from the storm and, and choking on the water as you sink. Because you remember Peter, he was fine as long as he kept his eyes on Christ. But as soon as he did the opposite of what I said, he started releasing Christ, holding on to the flesh. But, don't, but look at the waves. Don't you see how big these are? Don't you understand what's happening? He released Christ and went back and grabbed hold of natural things as an act of his self-will. Like he did opposite. Sometimes you learn what things are by learning what they're not. And so he did the opposite. And so he looked to natural things, but yet he stepped out in faith. Somebody said, only 8% of the people who were all ministers in the boat actually stepped out of the boat. <laughs> so don't criticize Peter until you step out of the boat. Right. <laughs> and let me just tell you something else, because I like Peter. It doesn't say that Peter sank. It said he began to sink. How do you begin to sink? <laughs> Have you ever walked on the water and begun to sink? I've tried to walk on the water. I just sank. <laughs> like, there's no like, you're just down. And so we have to release everything that we can produce and that the world has to offer so that we can then have our hands free to grab hold of everything that God is and everything that God has to offer. And the greatest thing I think that he has to offer because it's the whole reason Jesus said he came is zoe. I have come that you might have zoe or that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now I want to read you uh, a passage from um, Acts chapter 5 verse 1 through 20 and uh, this is, um, then I'm going to read you also part of this book from Smith Wigglesworth. Um, I'll just start here, which is probably about verse 10, because he doesn't have the verses listed. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Pharisees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple and speak to the people 
all the words of this zoe or of this life. Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words about the life of God, the power of God, and the nature of God. Smith Wigglesworth then says, notice this expression that the Lord gives of the gospel message, the words of this life. It is the most wonderful life possible, the life of faith in the Son of God. This is the life where God is present all the time. He is all around and he is within. It is the life of many revelations and of many manifestations of God's Holy Spirit, a life in which the Lord is continually seen, known, felt, and heard. It is a life without death, for we have passed from death unto life, 1 John 3, 14. The very life of God has come within us. Where that life is in its fullness, disease cannot exist. It would take a month to tell what there is in this wonderful life. I think it'd take longer. Everyone can enter in and possess and be possessed by this life. It is possible for you to be within the vicinity of this life and yet miss it. It is possible for you to be in a place where God is pouring out his spirit and yet miss the blessing that God is willing to bestow. He said, you know, Smith Wigglesworth said in another place, got to pass over a million people just to get to one person who's acting in faith, one person who believes him. This is all due to a lack of revelation and a misunderstanding of the infinite grace of God. Remember we're talking about it's not because you did something, it's not because you've accomplished something, it's because of God's great gift, but the way that you access that gift is you have to release everything that you have to grab everything that he has given and to hold everything that he has given. So our greatest act is an act of our will to turn to Jesus Christ. But that is not a one-time thing. Even we did that, series, that, that study on faith. When I did that study, I didn't make a big deal about it because we didn't have a lot of time. But literally, when you are acting in faith, it is a continuous moment by moment refusing to hold this and holding on to Jesus. Peter showed us that. Because he was holding on to Jesus, got out of the water, and he saw the wind, and he saw the waves, and how big they were, and how big the battle was, and how big the problem was. And at that moment, he began to turn away. So he began to sink. You ever feel yourself sinking? Like you have all these uh, pressures that come, or an incident happened, there was an experience, and... Right there, if you're honest with yourself, you know on the inside, you have a choice. Which way are you going to go? Are you going to go the way that makes your flesh really comfortable and that makes sense to your mind? Or are you going to go the way of faith, calling those things which be not as though they were, believing God? So my youngest son, four years old, he can be pretty feisty sometimes. So, he, he sometimes, every once in a while, likes to go the way of the flesh. I am angry at you. Very happy with you. I say, Joel, you need to release that, and you need to laugh. And about half the time, right away, he'll say, ha, 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 And that laugh releases him. It's a laugh of faith. Did he feel like laughing? No. 
But think of it in the context of faith. What is one, thing, one element of faith? Obedience. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you that you live long on the earth, which they know that verse hopefully by heart. So, <laughs> so he honors what we say when he's in that anger state about half the time. Other times he needs a little more encouragement. I'm happy for the 50% that he does it right away. I'm like, whoo! This is all due to a lack of revelation and a misunderstanding of the infinite grace of God and, and the God of all grace, 1 Peter 5.10, who is willing to give to all who will reach out the hand of faith. This life that he freely bestows is a gift. Some think they have to earn it that they, and they miss the whole thing. Oh, for a simple faith to receive all that God so lavishly offers. Half the, you know, sometimes our, our big problem is we're like, could God really be that good? Could God really be that good? In fact, somebody, um, I don't remember what, what it was, but it was in the last week or two. I, uh, I heard of a minister saying, you know, uh, how, in, how could you teach people that God wants to bless you financially? That God wants to heal you. That is not what God is like. And I thought, how can you even be a minister? You don't, you're not even seeing the word. Now, I know sometimes people don't have revelation you know, and don't understand that. So I'm not really trying to criticize the guy. But it obviously was not the word of God. He just knew uh, that he will save you so you don't go to hell when you die. But when I heard the person repeating it, it just struck me. Because I thought, how, how much blinders the devil must have put because... He's fighting to say, don't you dare tell people that God is good. Well, that's an extreme example. But you know, is God good enough to meet all your needs and give you plenty left over? That you live a blessed life so that you can be a blessing? Is he able to heal your big toe and cancer? So, oh, for a simple faith to receive all that God so lavishly offers. A lot of times we complicate faith and we try to say, well, I must have to tick off this and tick off that. And tick. No, you really just have to only believe. If you believe God, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. All we really have to do is believe. You can never be ordinary from the day you receive this life from above. You become extraordinary, filled with the extraordinary power of our extraordinary God. Now, I'm going to read you uh, just two other passages out of here. And um, I didn't intend to do this when I was preparing for the message, but this morning I felt you need to do that, so I'll do it. Um, it is a luxury to be filled with the Spirit and at the same time a divine command. Do not be drunk with wine, which is excess or dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. No Pentecostal person ought to get out of bed without being lost in the Spirit and speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. No one should come through the door of the church without speaking in tongues or having a psalm or a note of praise. We can understand Christ only as we are filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. Our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural minds from which we can never get anything is to be filled and filled again with the Spirit of God. 
Now, I think that is so significant that I will read it again, and I have it underlined in red, which means for me it's very important. Our only safeguard from dropping back into our natural minds from which we can never get anything. We only receive by faith. Is to be filled and filled again with the Spirit of God and to be taken on to new visions and revelations. The Spirit of God is the only one that can take you to new visions and revelations. But you have to make room for the Spirit of God. You have to look to the Spirit of God. You have to yield to the Spirit of God. You have to let Him have His way. You have to let Him have access uh, to your mind, to think through your mind, to your mouth, to speak through your mouth, to your body so that you'll go where He wants you to go. And you have to completely give Him access. The reason why I emphasize the importance of the fullness of the Holy Spirit is that I want to get you beyond all human plans and thoughts and into the fullness of vision, into the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Because all of us, if we don't stay full of the Holy Spirit will drop back to the natural man and what the natural man has to offer. Have you ever been so full of the Spirit? Something went terribly wrong that before your flesh would just freak out about, but you're like... <laughs> I remember Brother Hagin. He had, somebody had gotten him this, uh, I don't know, my goodness, I think it was a very expensive watch. It was a Rolex and it was... Probably like a $20,000 watch. And he was ministering, and all of a sudden, this class broke, and it hit the floor and busted and everything like that. And he said, oh, well, praise the Lord. And effective. More where that came from. So we're not meant to cope with life in our own strength. Uh, people that try to do that and ultimately that aren't born again, you see them, sadly enough, committing suicide because they have so many pressures in life and they're so overcome with it. They're not really living. They're not really experiencing true life. They're trying to live life under their own strength and under their own power. Well, you can get a little distance that way, but you can't do anything that is of significance. And what you do in life even if somehow you're amazing for 85, 95 years, 105 years, vanishes the second you pass from this earth. Your life is like a fleeting mist. T.L. Osborne, my, one of my favorite quotes from him, I heard him say it when we were going to one of his meetings. He said, you only have one swath at life. It'll be over before you know it. He said, I don't know how I got to be 83 years old. That's when we saw him, something like that, 82, 83. He said, I look and I say, where, where did all the time go? Where did everything go? We want to have a life that affects not only this world, but the world to come. So that when we arrive in heaven, we are greeted with the lives that accepted Jesus Christ because of our actions, because of our words, and because of our giving. So that our life is not limited to this fleeting mist that appears for a little while and then is gone. 
uh, we're driving to church this morning early, and it's like probably around six something. And man, we got to like Centerville, and it was like this wall of fog that went up like this. And I jokingly said, I hope they didn't have a nuclear explosion because it looked like, you know, the videos you see, like it was rolling like this. But it was the fog that I thought the other people that live over there and come that way, they probably won't see it because by the time they get here, it's going to be gone. If I wasn't driving, I'd have taken a picture. It was really cool. I think for the sake of time, I'll just finish with this right here. Uh, all right, I'm going to, so that I get this right, I'm going to read this and then I will explain it. This is from James Stalker. The nature of man, according to Paul, normally consists of three sections, body, soul, and spirit. Now, Brother Hagin used to say, most ministers quote that verse incorrectly. And he's right because James Stalker quoted that verse incorrectly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So uh, three sections, spirit, soul, and body. In his original makeup, okay, I'm paraphrasing this so it makes sense in today's uh, 21st century language. These occupied definite relations of superiority and subordination. In other words, one is superior and the other is underneath. In other words, one is subject to the other. And so they had these three spaces in which they occupied and they had orders. And the original order was man's spirit was in control. Man's mind was in the middle and man's body was subject to all else. So the mind is supposed to be subject to the spirit and the body to the mind and the spirit. But the fall disarranged this order. And all sin, listen to this, all sin consists in the body usurping or the soul usurping the place of the spirit. You know what usurp means? Someone usurps your authority, that means they're taking your authority that does not belong to them, it belongs to you. And so all sin consists in either your body or your soul taking the place that your spirit rightfully is supposed to have when you're born again. So what happened in the fall? In fallen man, these two sections of the human nature which are inferior to the spirit, together they form what Paul calls flesh or sarks. Literally the Greek says sarks. So in fallen man... Your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and your body form what Paul refers to as your flesh. If you live by the uh, spirit, you'll, you'll have life, but if you live by the flesh, you'll surely die. What does that mean? Well, you're going to experience death in all of these situations. So if you're not releasing this side, if you're not releasing the things of the flesh, the things of reason, oh, I got to figure it out, I know how to do it. Uh, in fact, uh, remember, and Babel, uh, tower of Babel. They said, we got to figure it out. We know how to get to God. We're just going to build this great tower and get to God. The flesh does not want to act in faith. The flesh 
wants to accomplish what it can accomplish, and the flesh wants to say, look at me. Okay, back to this. On, one, on the side of the human nature, it looks toward the world and toward time. Your flesh. Looking toward the world. In other words, the devil is the god of this world system would be a better way to say it. The Bible says god of this world, but he's talking about the world system, how things work in the world system. And, uh, and of time. And looking to that, they take possession of the throne and rule your life. The spirit side of man, which looks toward God and eternity, has been dethroned and reduced to a condition of inefficiency and death in the fall of man. Christ restores the lost predominance of the spirit of man by taking possession of it by his own spirit. Remember, the Bible says that we have become one spirit with God. That will blow your mind. That means if you could open up my body and look inside and see my spirit, you couldn't see the difference between my spirit and the spirit of God because we have become one spirit. If you're born again, conscience is the voice of your spirit and the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit, that same spirit, and you pick up what he's saying and then you hear the very thoughts of God. And God himself can speak to you. Christ restores the lost predominance of the spirit of man by taking possession of it by his own spirit and actually recreating it in his image, in his likeness. Your spirit has never sinned. Your spirit is in the same condition as the spirit of Christ. How can two walk together if they're not in agreement? Your spirit is in full agreement with the spirit of Christ. His spirit dwells in the human spirit vivifying it, in other words, bringing it life, making it vital, and sustaining it in such growing strength that it becomes more and more the sovereign part of the human makeup. Do you understand that? So the more you actually understand this and feed on this in the word of God, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, that you have the very life of God and the very nature of God, you become more and more conscious and your spirit gains more and more dominance over your flesh and over your mind. Do you understand? So now you can understand why the God that created all things, that created you, that lives outside of time and lives in eternity could come to live in a believer and that believer still acts the same way. Why? The power of your will to choose to respond from your spirit or your soul or your body. But the more that you feed on the word, you renew your mind, you change your mind, then it's such growing strength that it becomes more and more the part of the human makeup. The man ceases to be carnal and becomes spiritual. He is led by the Spirit of God and becomes more and more harmonious with all that is holy and all that is divine. The flesh does not... The flesh does not indeed easily submit to the loss of supremacy. 
So that's kind of an enigma because the flesh will cry out. But you understand, if we live by the Spirit and you give the Spirit access, you'll be like, well, that wasn't as hard as what I thought. But if you're trying to do it in the power of the flesh, you'll be like, this is so hard. This is so hard. It's like I say, I like to jog and run distances. I, I said, I like to run before. And then I found how fast Eddie runs, and I said, I jog. Okay? <laughs> I'm catching up with you. So, but I don't do much with my upper body. I probably should, but I haven't yet at this time. And so if I were to try to climb a mountain, I have friends that like to do mountain climbing and stuff. Uh, I know it takes a lot of upper body strength to be an effective mountain climber. Well, I would probably just do something that's about 20 foot high. And what am I going to use? My legs, because I favor my legs, because my legs are strong. When I get into situations, if I'm climbing a tree, I wrap my leg around the branch, and I upside down, and I pull myself up with my legs. I don't use hardly my hands at all, but my arms, because I don't have that much upper body strength in my arms. So if you're exercised to the flesh and given into your flesh all the time, you're going to hardly use your spirit at all. You're going to try and accomplish what you have to accomplish. You're going to say, I say to that mountain, move. Can somebody please bring me a bulldozer? Maybe one of those screw things that puts a hole through the mountain. In other words, you're going to look to the world. What do they have to offer? How can we move this mountain? But Jesus said, believe and speak. And believe that those things that you speak. Jesus said, uh, in order to be acting in faith, that you actually have to Believe from your heart and believe what you speak. Believe from your heart and believe what you speak. Those things that he saith shall come to pass. Did I finish? Okay. The flesh does not indeed easily submit to the loss of supremacy. It clogs and obstructs the spirit and fights to regain possession of the throne. Paul has described this struggle in sentences of terrible vividness in which all generations of Christians have recognized the features of their deepest experience, right? In other words, we can all relate to this in a very deep, intimate way. But the issue of the struggle is not doubtful. In other words, don't worry about it because let me tell you what, sin shall not again have dominion over those whom Christ in whom Christ's spirit dwells or dislodge them from their standing Listen to this, in the favor of God. We have been restored to favor with God. You are his favorite, and he's looking after you, and you have the life of God and the nature of God. So if you have sickness in your body or you're overwhelmed, you know what? You just put Zoe on it because Zoe lives inside of you. As soon as you think that you're going to actually believe that enough to act on it, you'll experience it. Act like the Bible's true, and it'll become true. And you'll say, why didn't I do this a long time ago? And I'll tell you why. Because you're waiting for it to happen automatically. Because you think it's just going to happen. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We possess the things of God by faith in God. And our faith gives substance to those things that before we only hope. I hope I can be healed. 
I hope I can live divine health. I hope I can have the finances because I've seen it in here. I see it in the word. But faith gives those things touchability, brings them after you touch them and grab them in the true realm, in the kingdom of God, in the spirit realm, then they are bound to show up. They have no choice but to show up in the seen realm. But you first have to touch them in the realm of faith, which is where God is. God is a spirit. God is not a mind. The only way to receive from God is in the spirit and is by faith. Do you understand? You can't receive Jesus Christ by thinking he's the son of God, reasoning, okay, because of all these prophecies fulfilled, it must have happened, which is true. But you have to, in your heart, believe. And the second you believe it enough to say it, Jesus is my Lord. I believe God raised him from the dead. The greatest miracle in existence happens, and you now have access to all of the life of God. The nature of God comes inside of you to dwell, and hopefully that you allow it to dominate you so that you experience heaven on earth. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let's stand with me. And let's thank God for Zoe. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Your good and your mercy endures forever. Your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your nature. We thank you that you didn't leave us to our own selves and to accomplish our own things, but you gave us the opportunity to turn away from ourselves and to turn towards Jesus Christ. We turn to him now in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. We say, have your way in our lives. Have your way with our finances. Have your way in our relationships. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus. May what he has accomplished and the power of his blood show up in our lives. We come to you because of what he has done and who he is. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning or listening online and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You can experience a life that goes beyond natural things, that goes beyond worry, that goes beyond stress, that goes beyond failure and weakness. You can experience a life where you're completely and totally dependent upon Jesus Christ and what he has done and what he does, that your mistakes amount to nothing, that your mistakes are washed away that your sins are washed away. If that's you this morning, I'd like you to raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you and for you and see you experience the life of God and the nature of God. If you're here this morning, you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There is, there is an experience after you're saved called the baptism of the Holy Ghost, where you're, baptized, where you're baptized or placed into spirit of God, the power of God, the life of God in a way that you've never experienced it before. If you'd like to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, I want you to raise your hand and come down here. We'll pray with you and for you. So you filled with the spirit of God so that you can go beyond yourself. If you're listening online and you'd like to be filled with the spirit or you'd like to be born again, please email us at info at anchordc.org. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We believe that your word has penetrated our heart, that your word is living inside of us. We don't receive this as a man spoke, but as it is in truth, your very words. So we benefit from it, Father. We declare that we are doers of the word, not just hearers only. 
I pray right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and in the knowledge of you and in the knowledge of our inheritance for each and every person. Father, we thank you for your spirit that strengthens us and emboldens us and shows us things to come and lives with us forever. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.